0: Hey guys, it's Jessica. Welcome back to the Pineapple Podcast, Stories of Infertility. This is episode four, called Sarah. talking with Sarah, the guest on today's episode. She and her husband went through a few years of infertility treatments before having their daughter nine months ago. During her pregnancy, Sarah decided to change careers and become a fertility coach. Listen in as she shares her experience and offers support for those going through treatment. Here is Sarah's fertility story. Well, thanks for for doing this. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's awesome. I love... All things for I'm, time I'm excited to not only hear like your story but then also hear about what you do. I think yeah. that'll be such a great thing to to learn about because I don't really know what what it is that you do yeah I'm excited the, to talk cool um well let's start kind of at the beginning
1: sure of course okay of course. so um so my husband and I met in two thousand and ten and we dated for like four Years and um, I always joke with him because I'm like, you made me wait forever to get married and to pop the question. So um, we ended up getting married in March of 2015, and we were kind of like, let's wait a little bit and do some, you know, uh, traveling. We had a couple big trips we wanted to take, and then my sister was pregnant, so we were like, let's see how they do with the baby first, and then we'll start trying. So. My nephew was born in October and I like immediately, I was like, I have to be a mom. Like I, this little being is the most perfect thing. Did so, you know you wanted kids before that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd always wanted kids, but it was never like in the forefront of my mind. I was always like, I wanted to get a career and like get, a, you know, the perfect husband life, get all that established. And then, um, so it wasn't like. You know, we got married, and I was like, "Oh my god, we have to have kids." You know, it was kind of like, but I was so I was thirty, almost thirty-one when we got married. So it was kind of in the back of my mind that I'm like, "All right, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. Like, I don't want to wait too long." Mm So, um, in December of 2015, we started trying and i actually was crazy i remember i had um i made an appointment with a gynecologist kind of for like an annual checkup in august. it was for august of 2016 i'm like i'm not going to need that i'm pregnant right so we go and we're trying and trying and trying and nothing's happening and i'm like i i just knew i was like something is up um, I had that appointment in August and I told my doctor, I was like, look, I know something is going on. And she's like, look, you have a couple more months. You know, she's like five cycles is a lot of cycles. A lot can happen. She didn't really give me like any advice other than just, you know, keep trying. And I was like, okay. So we tried and obviously that didn't work. And then we got in with, um, I was going to a doctor that was like with a college. So it, like, it was like a teaching thing. So mm-hmm. we went and um got an appointment but of course it took forever to get in that's like the other thing that's so frustrating is like you've already waited a year well then you've got to get in you have to wait three months so right so we got in with them um and they ran you know all the tests we did the hysteroscopy or whatever where they check your tubes and did all that stuff and everything came back normal my husband's was you know off the charts I was all fine I was a little bit low on progesterone but nothing that they were like you know this is weird so we decided to go ahead and do an IUI so we did that we did three IUI's Um, the first two failed obviously and then the second one she did an ultrasound she's like there's a polyp that's at the top of your uterus could be preventing implanting." So we're like all right so I went in and had surgery to get that out and then
0: um were these medicated IUIs or just nope it was okay just, um I was More trying timed when I was like yeah doing that we
1: might have taken Clomid but I cannot for the life of me remember um I think maybe we took Clomid for the last one after that poly- polypectomy um and you know again it didn't work so all through that we were like we got to get out of here. My husband was working like 60 hours a week in an underground coal mine and it was nuts. What is Um,
0: it? What is it that you, so your husband was working there. What, what were you doing at this point? I had been working in
1: it. Okay. So I, yeah, I, that was what I got my degree in. It was math and computer science. Then I went and did, I got an awesome job. I loved my job. Um, and I, you know, I kind of moved up through the ranks and made friends and everything. it was really cool because it just, it was like my saving grace at that point. So, um, yeah, actually right before we went to the fertility doctor, my sister moved away. We had all been together. So that was really hard because my mom and my sister both moved and they were like my support because my husband was working for, you know, all the time. Um, so then you know like we were going through that and i was like nobody understands what i'm going through i don't have any support here so you're we like let's move so we decided to move back to california or california to um st louis missouri where his family my husband's family is from so we did that and we put trying to conceive on hope for a little bit we were like okay so then um i did not want to go through IVF. like i had heard the horror stories there's no um, guarantee. And I was like, I don't want to make myself crazy and all those shots and yuck, yuck. yuck. So I was like, let's adopt. And my husband was like, no. (laughs) So I actually went and did like this whole PowerPoint presentation to my husband about why we should adopt. And he gave in and he's like, okay, let's adopt. And I was like, all right. So we called an adoption agency and talked to the onboarding coordinator. We got accepted to the adoption agency and then learned a little bit more about it and learned that we were going to adopt from the U S and, um, most of the time the birth mom is involved and my husband just was not ready to take that step at that point. So we were like, okay, back to the drawing board. Um, and then he's so funny, like basically behind my back, he was researching, um, fertility doctors and found like you know, the best one in St. Louis got us an appointment for a couple months later. And then, um, when, then I finally was like, okay, let's do IVF. He's like, okay, perfect. Here's the appointment. (laughs) Um, so we went to the doctor and he, the very first test he did, we walked in to the doctor's office. I went in, um, got an ultrasound. Um, he's like, everything looks good. He's like, come back tomorrow. He's like, go home, have sex tonight, come back tomorrow, we're gonna do another ultrasound. It's like, okay, like weird. So we did that, he took a sample and found that my uterus was too acidic and it was killing all of my husband's sperm. So even if they would've, those IUIs never would've worked because the second he put it all in there, Mm -hmm. it was dead. So I was like, I was like devastated because I was like, it was like, we finally had an answer, but then of course, you know, like all that blame on yourself just comes along. Yeah. And like I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, and then, you know, also I got like mad at the other fertility doctor. Cause I'm like, we went through all this stuff and this was such a like, you know, cause IVF was really our only option because how yeah. else were we going to get a, you know, an embryo in there? Um, Our fertility doctor was so awesome though, and he was like, it's gonna work. He's like, we're just gonna do IVF and it's gonna work. Um, But he also said that I could do, this is probably TMI, but baking soda douches to Mm -hmm. um, bring down the acidity. Okay. So actually that was what happened at the fertility doctor. He told us to have sex before we came in. We came in, he saw that it was all dead I did the baking soda douche that night. Went back, and then he was like, "Oh, look! It's everything was the sperm was then swimming."
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So. That's crazy. I've yeah, never it was heard
0: that.
1: Of, Yeah. I, yes, I'd never heard of that before either. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's it's like such a random thing. I don't usually talk about that part a lot because I'm like, <laughs> so we did we did do that for a couple of months. We tried on our own to. Um, do that because, like I said, I was just so terrified of IVF, but it didn't work, so then we went and did um, IVF. So that was all the things, you know, and we transferred. We ended up. it was it's another thing that they never really talk about is that like it's such a numbers game, right? And like you can we had thirty six eggs that were retrieved. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Like, you know, I didn't do as much probably like learning as I could have. And I was like, this is going to be so great. We're going to have so many eggs. Well, it ended up by day five, we only had two embryos. So we were like, we went back and forth on, should we transfer both? Should we transfer one? Um, And we were like, you know, like we could handle twins. So let's just transfer both and see what happens. Um, And one of them stuck. So we have our daughter, Charlie, and she's nine months old now. And she's just Congratulations. Like, thank you. She's awesome. Worth it. I will say, <laughs> um, yeah. So then I got, you know, I got pregnant and it was like this, you know, three year long and it's, you know, just because you get pregnant doesn't make anything. It doesn't make it go away. Like totally. I've seen something recently that said like, you know, infertility is trauma. Um, and you have to heal that trauma uh, or else it's going to live with you, you know, and it stays in your body and you know, you're trying to create this being in your body. So I don't know. Um, I threw my, when I was pregnant, I remember the day, like I was, Paul was like, well, we should probably start looking at, um, at daycares. And I was like, Whoa, Like I was not ready for that. So I, I put my cursor up in the thing and I went to Google daycare and I just started crying at work. I was like, I cannot, it took me so long to get to, to this. Like I can't, I don't think I can physically be apart from her. Um, so I, I was like, I got to do something else. And, um, and that was kind of how I started my, I guess I would just say like my path to finding fertility coaching.
0: So before we go into that, maybe we can just like unpack a little bit of, of what you went through. So during those IUIs, how, how was that for you and for you and your husband? Like,
1: yeah, I, um, I don't know. You know how like you have those like inklings or whatever, and you're just like, this isn't going to work. Like I knew, I feel like that it wasn't. I just knew it wasn't going to work. I don't know. There was something in the back of my head that was just telling me, and you know, maybe that's why it didn't work because, I've, you know, it's like that whole like mindset mentality.
0: Right. Thing. Um, it's been interesting. Know. So when I've been talking to people, almost everybody that I've talked to has had like this gut feeling even before knowing that they need help to get pregnant, like having this gut feeling of, I think, I think like, I know something's wrong. I know that there's a reason why that this isn't happening. So I feel like it's so important to trust that little voice in your head. Like I I know I had it, but even so like for people who are maybe wondering like you know we're we're 6 months in, 9 months in trying and I just have this feeling, listen to that feeling. There I think it's there for for a reason. The more people okay. I talk to, I feel like that that comes up a lot. And
1: I, yeah, and I think that that's the one thing that I really wish doctors would listen to, you know, it's, you know, because I think I get it right. Like doctors come in and I'm sure they do see women that get pregnant the next month. Right. But like, you know, they, we know our bodies, right. Like we're with ourselves all day, every day. And you know, they see you as just like a, you know, a string of patients out there, you know, of course, like that's their job, whatever. But like, right. I just feel like when it's like you said, when you know, you know, And I just wish that there was some way that, you know, we could work the system to where it doesn't have to be like, wait this
0: excruciatingly long year
1: when you know something's up.
0: I actually, I feel like I heard something that said that, I think this, it might have been in a TV show, but I feel like I heard it somewhere credible that actually after like six months. Is really like the time when if it's going to happen on its own, like it should happen by six months. Yeah. I feel like I heard that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
0: And if it and if it eases the patient, you know, right? I feel like it's it's helpful. I know
1: because I mean the worst thing that happens is what you do some tests and then they wind up pregnant. You know, like yeah, yeah, so. definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So after that third IUI, and did you have any insurance coverage for any of that? Or was that all being paid out of pocket?
1: We actually did. We got so lucky, um, financial wise. I mean, we, uh, we did pay out of pocket, I think for some of the IUI, but it really wasn't, um, we were just fortunate in that also we both had really good jobs. So it didn't feel like It was like this
0: financial burden. IVF, on the other hand, felt way different. Okay. So, for that, did you not have then coverage? Is that why? Well,
1: okay. So, we started when we went, when we moved to um, St. Louis, we both had jobs and neither one of our insurances would cover the other one. It was really weird. So, we both had, um, separate insurance and my insurance wasn't gonna cover IBF. So we actually and this this was it was such a hard thing for me. I put together a freaking GoFundMe um and just sent it to my family and I was like, look, we can't afford this. Like out of pocket right now, like anything can help, you know, birthdays, Christmases, whatever. Like just don't, you know, I don't know, it was that was really hard, you know, yeah. you know, cause we had both had such good jobs and, you know, just to, you don't want to feel financially dependent on your parents, you know, or anybody yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and then it was actually crazy. Paul ended up getting another job. Um, one that was way closer to our house and it, like the job made him way ha- happier. The insurance was phenomenal, Jessica. We ended up paying, like, we were going to pay like $20,000 and we ended up paying like six for the oh my gosh, that's for amazing. The procedure and then three for the meds. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. I'm just
1: like getting goosebumps talking about it, but it was just like, I don't know. We, he ended up hating that job and we ended up only living in St. Louis for a year, but we always just say that like, it was because
0: of that, you know, like
1: God yeah. was the universe. Right. Yeah. Was
0: guiding totally. Things, so. so with your hesitation with IVF, what was maybe, why do you think that you didn't want to go there?
1: I just, like I said, I'd heard the horror stories um, I think also I didn't want to admit that I needed like that much help getting pregnant. Like it was just, you know, because it just like grates on your womanhood. You know, you're like, this is a thing, you know, <laughs> that like for millions of I years, meant to do. Yeah. <laughs> I was born for this. Um and I just I didn't want to go through the hormones. I don't know. I think it was just at that point I was like selfish, you know, like I didn't, I didn't want to do those things. I wanted it to be the way that I wanted it to be.
0: With you not wanting to go through it and your husband, it sounding like wanting to go through it. Was that challenging in your relationship?
1: Totally.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I mean, and you know, God bless my husband. He is like a Midwest. I am not talking about my feelings man you know (laughs) man's man right and um it was absolutely such a struggle for us that couple of months when we couldn't we just couldn't come to terms with what we wanted to do um and he was so he was just so against Adoption and I had actually worked in an adoption agency when I was in college. So I had seen all like I was like, Oh, it's fine. Like it's that's Mm -hmm. how, you know, you can make a family like that. Mm -hmm. And I think also, um, I had this like sense of like, well, there's kids out there that really need a home. You know, why am I going to put myself through all of this when we could you know, go this other route, but he was right. just so uncomfortable with it, and it felt like we were at such an impasse. And I wanted to, like, at the end of the day, I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just we talked about it. Um, it was, and that was how I found out that he had made that um, that appointment. You know, I think he just had faith that I would like come around and see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and actually, that when I found out that he had done that, you know, I think. I had, I remember telling my sister about it. She's like, are you mad? And I was like, no, I think that was like the sweetest thing that he's done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Showing uh, how much he cares and is in this process like with you. Yeah, definitely. So was IVF as, as bad as you, as you were worried about? I, now. Be honest. If it sucked,
1: you can say it sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now that I have Charlie, like I can be like, it was great. And I know there I have women that I talk to on the regular that go through that and don't have a baby. And if if that would have happened to me, I I don't know what I would have done. Um, I don't know that I ever would have done it again. It you know, those the egg retrieval meds, the medicine was made me freaking insane. <laughs> um, I remember like I kept a cry count with my husband. Like seriously I would text him and like I just saw a picture of a cat, like, and I'm crying, or like, this person didn't hold the door open for me, and I'm crying, like, and it made me a raging lunatic, like, and there was even (laughs) my birthday, I, my, the egg retrieval was 10 days after my birthday, my 34th birthday, fourth birthday, and um, Paul flew in one of my friends, from my best friend from Tucson to St. Louis, and he, but he didn't tell me. And he went, we had gone out, and he's like, "Okay, let's go watch a movie." And I'm like, "I don't want to go. I want to go home. I'm tired. Like my body is bloated. I feel like crap. Take me home." He's like, "Well, we've really gotta. We like he's try, like we've gotta go to the movie." I started crying, Jessica. I melted Aww. down. Like <laughs> I was like, "I just don't want to go." And he's like, "Come on, come on, come on!" And so we ended up going. Um, but yeah, so it's I don't know, the, so many hormones and like. I also don't think that I had the awareness of, like, that it's the meds that are doing this. Like, at that point, I just felt like I was crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Were you – did you do your own injections? No. Paul did
1: all those injections. I really think that, like, if if your husband has the stomach for it or your partner has the stomach for it, I think it makes things so much easier because you just feel like they're in it with you.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, my husband will not. He has – he passes out when he, like, gets blood drawn and stuff. So um, that'll be an interesting thing to do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a
1: ton of people that, like, can do it, but I just – that helped me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I could have done it myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How was your, like, headspace going into? So did you guys do – I guess back it up. Did you do a fresh transfer or a frozen?
1: We did Frozen.
0: Okay. Um, and did you do the, the genetic test- testing too?
1: No, we did okay. not do that pre, he said that we were young enough. Yeah. Um, and I just like, at that point, like I was like, we're doing IVF and it's going to work and we're going to have hurt baby. Like mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. And that's, that's what happened. We did do, um, there's like a blood draw you can do right after you get pregnant. Um, that does genetic and uh, checks for oh. abnormalities. It's not, okay. it's not testing the actual embryo, though.
0: Right, like, right. Who did that? Oh, um, okay. And I so, it's less expensive. Okay. How was your – so it sounds like going into it, you were very confident then. Yep,
1: yep. And that was one thing, you know, my doctor was so confident about it, and it just made me feel like, okay, this is going to work. Yeah,
0: yeah. That probably tells you a lot if they – feel good about it all, then you can feel good about it all.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, going into IVF, I was like, and, you know, to it kind of felt like, okay, this is like the culmination of all of this stuff. Like, now we have a plan. Like, I'm such a check the stuff off the to-do list. I'm like, okay, we've got a plan. We've got a schedule. Uh, take these meds at these times. And I'm like, okay, I can tackle this piece of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can have control over this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that's so important to find – because I'm the same way where I like to control things, but this process is so out of your control. And so finding those moments where you can maybe regain a little bit of control is yeah. is probably very helpful.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean
0: 100%. So you mentioned how – and I totally agree with this – how going through infertility is such a trauma to to you, to your partner, to you as a couple – did you feel like that was carried through your pregnancy that were you worried, like worried throughout it or were you pretty calm?
1: I was surprisingly calm. Um, I just, it was like, you know, it was like how I knew something was wrong at the beginning. I knew that this was going to be okay. Um, And I am a super through my, this infertility. I have become I've grown a spiritual practice. I found spirituality. Um, and I just felt so connected with Charlie and like with her soul. And I was just like, this is going to work. I will say that, um, I, some of this stuff has had resurfaced when I had her. So like those, just the thoughts of like, what if this doesn't work? And you know what I mean? Um, so I do think it it has to be looked at at some point um because you will carry it with you
0: somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So then after so during your pregnancy is when you decided to change careers. Yeah. Yes. Tell so me a little I, bit about how you decided to to go into this.
1: Sure. I actually before between, I think it was between the egg retrieval and the transfer, I had been doing a lot of stuff. like I had been getting Reiki a lot, um, which is like a Japanese healing technique. And um, I found a life coach through the place that I had gone to get Reiki. So I signed up with her and she opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And I that, so that day that I was like sitting there crying, I was like, I, at the computer, like trying to find daycares, I was like, I can't do this. I have to find something that will allow me to be at home with her and support my family. And also, you know, I love to work. Like I like, I like to have something to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know what it was. And I'm very much a, like I said, like a listener and I'm a pusher. Like, I'm like, okay, like I'm headstrong into this. I'm going to find this, you know, um, no matter who I have to like talk to or whatever. But for this, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to let whatever comes to me, come to me. Right. So it doesn't have to be this, like, you know, beat it until it works process. And so through a couple of different like steps, I would say I came to, like, I was doing life coaching and I was like, this just isn't lighting me up. Like I want to. And I had said, okay, I'm going to start a group just for women going through infertility. And I was talking to one of my friends about it. And she's like, honestly, Sarah, it just sounds like you're a fertility coach. She's like, why don't you just be a fertility coach? And I was like, boom, like there it was, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that for probably since like October, really like focusing my energies on that and, you know, growing the community and
0: and all that. So maybe tell what did it like for your clients? What do you help them with? What, what are, what, yeah, what kind of a support are you for them?
1: Of course. Yeah. So, um, number one, I, um, have started doing group programs, which I think are much I don't know more uplifting much more healing Um, because you just I think when you go through this like you can have the sense of community right if you know where to look if you go out on Instagram if you start a page um, you'll get all these people like flooding you and stuff but some people are just not comfortable with with doing that putting their whole lives out there their successes and their failures so this really you know you get a tight-knit group of women who who do like support you and they get to know you right Mm -hmm. they watch you heal so um the sense of community is huge in those group programs and then um also what we do as a group is go through um and talk about like tools and strategies that you can use and implement in your own life to figure out you know your patterns and um so that they're like triggers to you. So you're like, okay, well, today I feel like, you know, numbing my pain with a glass of wine. What What's deeper here? You know, like, and it's about going deeper with yourself so that you can understand how to cope with not just infertility, but everything that comes after that, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, definitely. Do you work with more people who are like in the middle of it or after or both? I,
1: Honestly, I think that the groups are super beneficial for people who are going through treatment because I think that's probably part of the most isolating when you really can't talk to like your family and friends about the feelings and all that stuff. Um, But I have also worked with women before they've started treatment and um, I have my eye on a couple who have, are pregnant now. Okay. So, I mean, really just... I think anyone um you know the emotional support is just pretty lacking, I think, um, yeah, side of just like you know Facebook groups, yeah, so it's and the infertility journey is so isolating, so I think just finding someone that can understand and also help you really process those emotions is so
0: beneficial, yeah. So, coming from maybe the lens of a fertility coach, what is some advice that you would give somebody going through this process? Oh, or even coming from the lens of someone who's been through it, either one?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just so much I feel like um, I think trusting yourself is is huge. Uh, you know, if you have those inklings, if you have those feelings, Trust them and, you know, find a doctor that will support you. Like it doesn't have to be this, you know, the very best in in their field. Like, I mean, if that's what you're comfortable with, of course, go with that. But if you find the very best in their field and you don't drive with them, you don't feel like they understand you or are listening to you and taking what you have into account, you know, follow that gut feeling. I think that's, it is really a lot about following your gut and trusting yourself through this process because at the end of the day, the only person you're gonna have through it all is you. And you know, also too, like you get so much into the blame of yourself and the blame of the situation. And I think um, being able to just take a step back and, and say, okay, like maybe like, how is this serving me or, what am I supposed to learn from this instead of just like, this is awful. Why is this happening to me? Like if you can reframe that in your mind, I think it's, it makes it so much more bearable.
0: Yeah. I love that. What resources would you or were any resources really helpful for you when you were going through it? Um,
1: I am a total like avoidant person. Like that's my, (laughs) my personality. So I, I wish I would have thought to go to Instagram, follow the hashtags, follow those accounts that have, you know, that just share their stuff. Um, and, and just finding my own community, you know, like resolve has all of those support groups that you could. I just, I never, I was just like, I'm, sometimes I call myself like the overwhelmed ostrich and I just like put my head in the sand and I'm like, I'm not looking at anything. So that was what I did. Um, don't do that. (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many people out there that are, that are willing to share, that want to help. Um, and that do have really great programs to help you through this time.
0: Yeah, I agree. What, can maybe you can give people your information so that if they want to reach out to you, you can be another resource if you want to. Yeah, of feel course.
1: Comfortable. Um, so I'm Sarah Marks and my last name is maybe we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But it's, yeah, it's, you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Marks coaching. Uh, Facebook. I'm Sarah Marks fertility coach. And then my website is com.
0: Awesome. Cool. And then the last thing that I've been asking people is, um, what is something that maybe somebody did for you that felt really supportive for you during the process? I hear a lot about like, don't say this to somebody going through fertility or don't do this, but I want to, like you said, kind of reframe it and say, okay, what's something that they could do? I think a lot of people might have somebody that they love and they're like, I don't know what to do to support them. Like what's okay to say what's what would be really helpful. So what's something that you found that felt really good to you?
1: Um, I really think that like doing the research, like if you have a friend that's going through infertility, like really try to understand like what is an egg retrieval? What is a frozen transfer versus a fresh transfer? Um, you know, I think for me, when people take an interest, like in what you're going through, because they can't support you emotionally. Right. Like, I mean, they can, they can always, of course, like listen to you and be there, but like that little extra of like, Oh, I was just on Google. And I saw that if you do this, it will increase your egg quality or, you know what I mean? Like something, Yeah. maybe not advice like that, but like just showing that you're interested in what they're going through. I always like love to tell everybody like you have got this like you can do this it's it is hard and it sucks but you are like you know you're a part of like the universe and god and you can do this like really you can do hard things um and maybe they don't seem fair but you are so
0: much stronger than Can you even know? Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate all that you do for this community and how positive you are. I felt so hopeful after listening to our conversation. If anyone listening is interested in connecting with Sarah or joining one of her groups, I will put her information in the show description. She has an upcoming group, Reclaim Your Journey. That's going to be a 16-week weekly group program that you can join. As always, if you're listening and enjoying what you're hearing, please share this episode on your social media. I would love to reach even more people. If you would like to connect with me, it's the underscore pineapple podcast. And if you would like to be a guest and share your story, please reach out. I would love to talk to you. Bye guys.